bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to the new season of Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. I'm also the director of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. Joining me today as my co-host is comedian Lynn Coplitz. Thanks, Neil. So, Lynn, we've been on hiatus for a while. What have you been up to? Oh, my gosh. I've been on the road a lot. Doing? Doing comedy. And yeah. I, I just got back, and um, I've been gone from New York pretty much for like three months. And I've talked three about months. feeling like an alien. Everything changes. This city doesn't stay the same. So it forgot who you were. Yeah. Or it didn't care who you once were. Yeah. My tan salon is gone. <laughs> it's been there eight years. And I went, I thank no God wonder, I didn't buy points. No wonder you look so pale today. I know. I do look pale. <laughs> Thank you. So Neil. what do you then what you you always got something going on TV. What's that? I got my new show with Joan Rivers called Joan Knows Best. She's your buddy. She is my buddy. Yeah. And hopefully she's going to do our show again too. So it's not Lynn Knows Best, it's Joan no, Knows it's Best. No, jo- it's Joan's show, Joan and Melissa's show. And uh, who and, are you to her in the show? Um, it's a reality show, and it's on WeTV, and it'll be on January 25th, it premieres, and I'm just good friends to Joan and Melissa. You know, do you play yourself if it's a reality I show? I do. Yeah. I do. It's really fun. I'm now getting paid on this show and on that show to just be me. Okay. Just come and be a, a jackass. Other people um, <laughs> who are taking time to work on science and bettering themselves, you really don't have to. <laughs> Just, you are proof that that's unnecessary. I am proof that that's unnecessary. <laughs> well, for, Me and the Palins. <laughs> so for Star Talk, what we like to do is begin every show with some review of current events. Mm-hmm. Because the universe is always flinching, it seems. And so did you catch the news cycle this past week? Where I'm sorry. I just love the universe is flinching like an abused housewife. <laughs> Well, it's every week, because well, we have active people doing active things You're in the right. universe. And if it's not a black hole, it's life on another planet, or maybe. Mm-hmm. And so there's this this highly hyped uh, NASA announcement last week that something was going to be told at an upcoming press conference about life in the universe. Did, were you aware of that news cycle? Yeah, isn't that the monolake thing? I have you on my Twitter. I know. Well, you follow my tweets. And I, fo- I follow your tweets, and I follow some of the people you follow. 
Well, okay, so you're plugged I, in. I can't do my own thing, so I go to the people I like, and I follow their people. <laughs> right, my people and your people yeah, will get stalker together. stalker by extension. <laughs> okay, so you're already briefed on the story. It's yeah. a mono lake thing, right? Yeah, it's, there's a, in, in that lake in California, they found evidence of microbes that thrive on arsenic, which is really cool. And it's cool because arsenic would normally kill us, but apparently right. they're, they're bacteria doing the backstroke on it. And we have... Because I'm connected this way, we <laughs> I have Dr. Mary Wojtek on the line with a name sounds like it belongs in a in a, in, in Star Trek. <laughs> can I can I ask you a question before we talk to Dr. Mary? Oh sure. Um, so who now? You know me. I'm allowed to ask these questions. Please don't tweet and tell us Lynn sounds stupid because I, I, that's why I'm here. Okay. Um, but We're not here to sound stupid. Not sound no. stupid, but I don't have to be. I'm not an astrophysicist. Okay. So my question is: So these are biologists that scoop the stuff up out of the lake. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So how many bags of crap did this lady have to dig up? Like, wouldn't this be like? I mean, I mean I'm just guessing, but isn't this like the major? Isn't this the thing you scooping crap up out of the lake for, hoping to find? Well, I don't. I would have to ask Mary Wojtek because she's the program scientist for the astrobiology program at NASA headquarters in Washington. And she, in fact, was at the press conference moderating the scientific results. And I think we have her on the line, do we? So, Mary Wojtek, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Hello. Neil. Welcome to Star Hi. Talk. And, and, that, and your last name sounds completely made up, like you saw it in a Star Trek episode, Mary Wojtek. Like, where did that come from? Uh, well, there, some people may remember this classic Star Trek episode where um, the crew confronted an organism called the Horta that was made out of silica yeah. instead of life on Earth, which is made out of carbon. And we believe that our scientists found a bug in the mud uh, in Mona Lake that instead of being made out of phosphorus, is using arsenic, which you mentioned is poisonous to most life. Okay, so that's not where you got your name. That's where you got the evil bug that, that eats arsenic. But, Dr. Yeah. Mary, isn't this like, wouldn't that be like the lotto for that scientist who found that? The jackpot, you mean? The jackpot, the lo yeah, the winning lotto ticket. Like, like I'm guessing you have to scoop up a lot of crap out of the lake before you find Yes, yeah, so how, like how long are they looking? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you there. Yeah. So how long were they looking for this for this microbe in, in Mona Lake in California? Is this an easy thing to have come upon, or is this the result of many, many years of work? Well, uh, Ron Ormlin, one of the investigators, has been up at Mono Lake looking at lots of different unusual organisms because it's got very high levels of arsenic. Oh. It's... it's uh, has it has a very high pH, so it's almost like uh, living in a in uh, Clorox. So it's very extreme. It's really on inhospitable. You'd never want to swim in it. And he's been studying the life that lives there, uh, and as a um, a natural continuation of the work they've been doing, where they found organisms that can tolerate arsenic. They decided to see if they could find ones that actually need it or can use it in in this fundamentally very different and exciting way. So, in other words, for the life to thrive in this arsenic-heavy lake, it had to figure out how to use it or and thrive on it. Otherwise, it would have been long gone. Yeah, well, you either have to figure out how to avoid it um, or use it and thrive. And so there's, there's examples of both of that going on uh, in the lake. Yeah. And wow. so this we so we know, so this adds another element to that fundamental list of the elements of life, right? Absolutely, and for us at NASA, this is really exciting news because we are interested in understanding life here on Earth because that's what we know and what we have examples of, 
and understanding where it can live, the extremes in temperature, the extremes in chemical concentrations of things and what they need in order to help us look for life elsewhere. So basically it works and, both ways, where you can explore oh, the extremes of life on Earth. It allows us to look for alien life in new places, and we look out to the universe to see what insight it gives us to life here on Earth. Absolutely. And in this case, we're finding this has opened up our... Uh, open up our concepts of where we might expect to find it. So the more we learn about things here, as you said, the more possibilities there are for, for life to be harbored elsewhere. Well, thank you, Mary. You, you sound like you're really plugged into the astrobiology frontier. We'd like to uh, ha- know that you're available to us to call back when anytime another story breaks. Anytime, and stay tuned. We have some really exciting stuff going on here. <laughs> okay. All right, Mary. Thanks Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thank you very much. All Thank right. you. So Damn, Lynn, I wanted to know what it was a little, I wanted a little tester. We got a show to do here. We got, that's just the beginning she's, opening. She's got some sort of alien foot in her closet. She's not telling us about, I want to know what it is. <laughs> well, if Dr. She, Mary's holding out on us. And you think she'd tell the world if you asked, even though no. she's sworn to secrecy. Neil, was that organism, I didn't get to ask Dr. Mary, was it, was it just, has it been there the whole time? Uh, we have to assume, yeah. Yeah, we have to assume. And so hmm. it didn't just show up for their for their lab experiment. And well, I don't so, know. I was wondering if maybe some waste or something from us oh, created it. Oh, contaminated Gee. by other sources. Ooh, Very good. I made the genius think, <laughs> didn't I? Well, it's time to get to the beginning of our interview with with John Stewart. John Stewart is our inaugural our inaugural victim for Star Talk. His book's great. It, it's great. This it's it's his book that's out now, Earth: A Visitor's Guide to the Human Race. And in this book, it it's imagined as just something that we leave behind after we're extinct, and aliens come and find it, and that's how they learn all about us. The idea that we've been stalking the universe for all this time. <laughs> so let's let's begin that interview. And in fact, it was I, I I taped it live in his office a few weeks ago, and we're slicing it into our program, and we can chat about it as we uh, interrupt it at will to comment on where it's going and where it's coming. Let's start it off. Very good. Love your book. Man, what a, you. what a concept that is. I don't know why nobody did it 30, 40 years ago. Because nobody wanted to waste that much time. <laughs> but we did here at the show, everything, and that's why we did Everything is in that book. It is hilarious. It is fun. And the full title is Earth the book. The book. And the premise there is Alien civilization's death. gone. Right. All that's left us here is the book. And they pick up the book, and this is how they learn about us. This is our record of the entirety of man's existence here on this earth. This is like the Voyager record that went out into space, that captured culture. The only difference is it's obviously an abbreviated (laughs) somehow. Okay. In that uh, 234 pages. What's your, what's your favorite part of that book? I have my favorite parts, and I'll share them with you in a minute. The favorite parts for me are the smallest jokes that we came up with in periods of delirium. Like, it was never a good idea to judge a book by its cover, and it's a picture of Wuthering Heights. And on it was a picture of a dog going to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So it's just some of the most ridiculous little silly jokes uh, are some of my favorite. And, and what I like about it is its breadth of subjects that it covers for example in the section on psychology there's no real psychology listed there well i was a psychology major so i know just how little there is to list (laughs) there's really nothing so you have all this like pseudoscientific stuff listed there that's right you're just telling it like it is telling it like a ti is so it's it's taking names and that's right and and pluto is in there pluto is in there i will not back down 
from Pluto. You still we, haven't gotten over it. Can I tell you something, though? We did. It, you couldn't keep it out it, of your book. We did call it a trans-Neptunian object. That's good. We did not call it a planet. You got the science right. That's good. That's right. That's we good. don't want to mess around. One of my favorite parts is where you talk about how we all thought everything revolved around us and the, the evolution of that thought mm-hmm. and what remained after it. Like, okay, so we learn we're not in the center of everything, but there's still sort of a holdout, right? It's like... An the, arrogance. An arrogance. So, but we nonetheless named the planets after gods. What we learned is that we were in control of our destiny, that there was no real spirituality, that was all a series of chemical interactions, but we named the planets after gods, just to be sure. Just You just didn't know. Okay, that's what we think. But at the end of the day, let's say we're wrong. Hey, look, Saturn, huh? Saturn. You're Saturn, Saturn. Saturn. You don't want to piss them off too bad. That's exactly right. So we work it all through. And there are people who think there's actually a face on Mars. Who are these people? Do they watch your show? I would assume. I would hope so. Well, you know, the man on the moon, there's always a big thing that, that, that there was a face on the moon. Yeah. Was, you know, the yeah. craters from this distance. But they didn't My think kids. it was actually a man on the moon. They just said it looked like it. The people are thinking there's actual civilizations on Mars or that, you know, or Mount Rushmore was naturally carved. The people who, who You know, the Mount Rushmore being naturally carved is probably because people are confusing Mount Rushmore with something else. So they're hearing Mount Rushmore. It's a lack of knowledge of what Mount Rushmore is more than that you would show them a mountain with president's heads on it and then they would go that's got to be wind right that is so that's, hopeful for this country no no, that no you say i'm that. sure that's what it is that is that's, so hopeful whenever they ask those questions i was like is mount rushmore uh, a natural and people always think like oh right mount rushmore i was just thinking of a different thing. i wish i had that much hope oh i absolutely <laughs> have that much hope although my kids still believe the moon is following them and how old are they 28 26 yeah okay six and four okay <laughs> but they believe that the moon is following them. yeah well that, that daddy is powerless to stop it why don't they credit Daddy with the power for having done that in the first place? Here's what they credited Daddy with, the power to tint our windows so that we could roll them up and not see the moon anymore. Oh. Other than that, they You know missed that. out on a, on, a, on a power opportunity over your kids. That's exactly saying right. I have it is by the power that I have Listen. over the cosmos that I make the moon follow us and nobody else. Listen, I put the milk on the highest rack in the refrigerator. Believe me, I have the power. <laughs> Okay. There's nothing that happens in that house. They're not. They can't open a juice box. I don't need to lord it over them anymore. That's the first segment of our interview with on Star Talk Radio with John Stewart. I'm. He's great. Your host Neil deGrasse Tyson. Lynn, what do you think of that? I think it's great, and I can't wait to hear more. But Neil, I have to tell you, the first thing that made me laugh out loud was when you guys were talking about planets, and uh-huh. you said, "Oh, I see Pluto is in there." <laughs> Like, like, like he invited your ex-girlfriend to a dinner party. I see you noted Pluto. You know I think she's a whore, right? Pluto is a victim of all of our ignorance. That's the problem. You no, know I told there. you she's not marriage material. Why is she there? You've got John Stewart's book in front of you, t- fully doggy-eared. We'll have to get back to some of the points that you look like you're ready to, to... I love it. We've got to take a quick break, but more of my interview with John Stewart when Star Talk returns. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add 
taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block Tax Pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Welcome back to the season premiere of Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson with Lynn Coplitz. Um, we've been at the break. I was looking through Earth, the book, A Visitor's Guide to Human Race. This, is, so this is his book. And we chatted a bit about uh, things like the Voyager record that's giving a signal to the aliens who might collect this intrepid spacecraft <laughs> that's been going for 35 years. Okay, Neil, I have a million questions. What's Let's that? start with, I'm looking at this page now in the book yeah. that's got all of this stuff, how we've been trying to get a hold, how we've been stalking any kind of you know <laughs> alien life that could be out there. This is the Basically, section on like biology and exotic We're like drunken dialing all these people. <laughs> Just wondering if you're out there, aliens, call. We're trying to send signals in case they're out there. What, you got a problem with that? Well, yeah, I do, because in 1973, it says we sent the Pioneer Plaque. Yes, this is a plaque that tells aliens who collect the plaque where we came from. Yeah, a plaque that anyone listening, please go online, look for this plaque, <laughs> a pioneer plaque, and I want you to look at the picture. It looks like something my nieces could have drawn. 
Oh, uh, they're 11 and 8. Okay. And they're white people, first of all. This is what we want. And what I do like is that the girl is kind of chunky. Like, she's my size. She's like, she's like oh, she's got, she's a little got extra hips there. It's an earlier uh, standard for a female body illustrated there. Because the plaque, if you've never seen it, contains sort of geometric information about where we came from, information about molecules. I, and- see, I see a star and this woman who obviously has a Brazilian in 1973. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and two, two illustrations, line drawings of a man and a woman. And you're right, the woman is, is not, doesn't have the body of a, of a supermodel. She's but well someone, groomed but for the 70s. But she's got some extra a 70s kind of body. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, do you think that's because we're trying to tell the aliens we're fertile? <laughs> come, come breed with us? Come breed My with us? My favorite response to that was, I forgot where I saw it. It was a, a comic. Where two aliens collect this plaque. They're dressed in tuxedos, and they're looking at the pictures of the humans, and it yeah. said, they're just like us, except they don't wear any clothes. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Wait, but what is, what's that bra thing at the top of it? Uh, oh, it's not a bra. It's, two, it's, the, it's the hydrogen atom. But how, how would they know that? Well, we're assuming they're intelligent, or at least as intelligent as we are, or at least as knowledgeable as our scientists are. Interesting. So then, the, then they made a record. Yeah, yeah so then they the- put some of that on, a, on the record, and that went on to the Voyager spacecraft, which followed the Pioneer spacecraft as the only spacecraft to ever have enough energy to leave the solar system. That's why we're trying to talk to the aliens on it. I, honestly, Neil, no offense. I think this is crap. I don't think it's real. I, I think that's crazy. Those pictures are just, I think they're made to look like they're something. I'm just impressed. There's a whole section in John Stewart's book about ways that we try to communicate with aliens and what what effect that might have had. Well, the radio transmissions, is that supposed to be like, that's like contact, like listen to? Yeah, yeah. Radio, radio waves. Because yeah. they travel, they can cut through the galaxy without leaving a mark. I mean, right. they're... You listen to your laundry washer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what happened in contact? She's yes. listening to the wash. <laughs> she's 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 got the headphones on, trying to hear hear the aliens talk to her. I mean, and, and she did. They finally uh, told her about prime numbers in the movie. Yeah, we have more to talk about with that because I like the idea too that that was in that situation. It was like science kind of led you to a religious. Oh, at the end, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, actually, well, religion. Uh, no topic is left un, untouched in John Stewart's book, uh, including religion. And I don't know that he's ever been charitable to uh, religious thinking. Uh, uh, yeah, I show. think he, def- I, 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 he is definitely a comic who has a point of view, <laughs> point. and I and I like it. <laughs> so, in, in our next segment, we get to t- I talk to him about the religious uh, uh, co- content of the book and see where he uh, where his points of view take us. Interesting. So let's go right on in and find out what mm-hmm. he says. So in this book, it touches all parts of culture and people and time. Religion, and e- science. Religion. What do you say about religion in there? Do you remember? Uh, we just mentioned it as being a 100% purely positive thing and nothing ever going wrong, I think. I, haven't, I, haven't, <laughs> not, I have to go back and read the Not. The I'll tell you what it says. I think it was, uh, religion provided great comfort to a world torn apart by religion. <laughs> I believe that was the, the ending. <laughs> that, period. That's all. That, that's, that's what exactly you got. Right. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's, yeah. here's a good question. Yeah. Where are we going with science? What if science is just leading us to a religious epiphany? Do you ever wonder about that? Well, some people have speculated about it. Like we find the God particle or the theory That's of everything right. or That's the Big right. Bang. Or, and, we, and science has its sort of godlike figures. In your book, you list science gods, uh, Newton and Einstein. You have mm-hmm. Edison in there. Marie Curie. Yeah, yeah. So science has its idols. And it also has its martyrs. And it's, has its idols, its martyrs, and its faith. To some extent. 
isn't a hypothesis to some extent faith. Yeah, the difference is when you find you out the hypo- when you find a hypothesis is wrong, you stop believing in it. See, that's the difference. The difference is you will, but no one knows yet if religion is wrong. No one has yet to figure out. They may figure out that the books that man created for it are wrong, but they have yet to prove mm. that religion itself is wrong. Yeah, because it's hard to prove a so, negative. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, uh, well, pop up. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Do you think scientists have just pure faith in methodology? Well, it's worked before, so we keep at it. I mean, you need the faith if you tried it before and it never worked, but you keep trying it. That would require faith. But if it's worked before, do you want to call that faith? I call it, hey, it worked before. You're talking about that's experience. Yeah. Scientific method. Yeah, it's experience. Can I tell you something? I love the scientific method. It's awesome. And and people overdefine it. People overdefine the scientific. You know what it is? It's do whatever it takes to not fool yourself. Period. That's right. the scientific method. I always thought it was to create something recreatable. Yeah, but to know that you've done it successfully, you have to make sure your bias didn't affect your measurements. So, do ah. you, so you write it down instead of just trying to remember because your brain right. is, that brains don't. Are work. there things in theoretical physics? Are there theoretical physicists that you are uncomfortable with their relying on scientific method? And do they ever, in any way, veer into the lane of faith? Dark matter, that kind of thing. Uh, no, we, we measure... Not dark matter. Uh, what was it called? There's dark energy, there's dark, dark energy. matter, there's string theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's some branches of science that are not really susceptible to experiment. And so these folks are out there on the dangling, bleeding edge right. of inquiry. But it's a pencil, a paper, maybe a laptop. They're not expensive to keep in business. Right, so right, right. I, don't, I don't lose sleep over that. Right. The, these are... The what about the climate stuff? Is that... Do you lose any sleep over The climate stuff. stuff. Man, people... Here's the problem. It's become so political. Here's the problem. People think that the criterion for believing something is whether or not it feels good. That that's the measure of truth, if it made you feel good. And there's something wrong about that. That's a recipe for disaster. It's the ostrich with the head in the sand. I don't want to know about it because it makes me feel bad. I will only believe and listen to the stuff that makes me feel good. And if I have this investment in the oil industry, I'll believe what makes me feel good about that. Let me go the other way, though. Is it also, though, people have become calloused to the dire warnings that are no longer uh, valid? Is it ostrich head in the sand or boy who cried wolf? Because there is also... Or sky is falling. Yeah, yeah, we got all of them, yeah. We got all of them. And trying to discern between those can be very difficult. Yeah, so I guess when the science has a fuzzy edge where we can say this might happen in the next 50 years, right. people, yeah, people don't know how to deal with that, that uncertainty. Right. Yeah, but I say the summer rise... also, it's difficult now because there is no organization that has earned a certain credibility anymore. There is no Walter Cronkite of science. Does uh, that make sense? Yeah, it's someone where everyone turns to and says, this is the man who tells it like it is That's and we'll right. all believe it even if it's uncomfortable. That's right. And who will also tell us the things that are uncomfortable that are not true. So we need a Walter Cronkite of science. Done. And I, I have a nomination. You want to hear my nomination? Well, who's your nomination? You! No heavy sigh. What kind of heavy sigh is that? And that's the way it All will right, be. That's not it. <laughs> you are the Walter Cronkite of science. That's the way it once was. <laughs> Lynn, if I remember correctly from yes. our last season, you're you're actually a bit spiritual yourself, right? So what do you uh, think of I'm his? I'm actually kind of religious. Religious, yeah. I mean, for I mean, I'm like a foul mouth. I'm like a Mary Magdalene kind of. <laughs> but um, here's my here's my. I'd wash Jesus's feet with my hair. I'm that person. But here's my question, Neil. When you were talking about um, we got. Oh, well, you were talking about religion, and you said that you think people want you want to believe only what makes them feel good. 
But, you know, the Bible, if you read it, it doesn't make you feel good. There's a lot of negative stuff in there, and it, you feel guilty a lot of the time. That's you if, feel if you're bad. Catholic, if you're Catholic, yeah, you get you get the guilt. No, I think Jewish people get it, and oh, everybody Christians gets it. get it. Okay. We all get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> but, I mean, if anything you read in there, lots of it, you can't live up I to I just Jesus. see it wouldn't have to be religious. It's just ideas that make people feel good. They, I have found that they're more likely to want to believe, whether or not I it's I think religious. we're just lazy. I think it's laziness. I think people just don't want to do anything. It's like, well, if I don't see it, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> You're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm also the director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City, here with Lynn Coplitz, professional comedian who deigned to spend an hour with us. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Don't you have a new show, too, coming out? Uh, Nova, the Nova? Yes, yes. Nova? Well, the, the spinoff of Nova. Uh, PBS Nova, Nova Science Now. Yes, thanks for thanks for mentioning You're welcome. that. welcome. It's a very good show. And by the way, you can find us on StarTalkRadio.net. That's where you get back episodes, as well as the, uh, the uh, one-day-delayed podcast of anything you might hear live on the radio. And what? Brought to you by science. Brought to you. <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> it's all brought to you by science. That's oh, a- <laughs> Neil. <laughs> I think we're going to have time for another... Uh, John Stewart clip. Oh, good. Uh, and because I, I hung out in his office like for a long time trying to milk him for everything he's got. <laughs> he couldn't shake you? It was a little odd that he was like kissing my butt at the end there saying, oh, you're the next one. Why, why, why is he doing that? He doesn't have to do that. You're pretty, you're getting kind of famous. Oh, well, he doesn't have to do that. I don't think, you know, I don't know about that. He felt bad about what he did with Pluto. <laughs> so we've got our, our second break coming up. And like I said, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. Star Talk. I have with me my co-host, Lynn Coplitz. And in this program, I've been interviewing John Stewart. I interviewed him in his office, like so between great. takes on his show. It was it was very, uh, very kind to give us the time that he had. And I asked him about his book. It's, a, it's, an, it's an extraordinary collection of comedic reflections on human culture, Earth. It's, it's so great. It's uh, the best Hanukkah gift. <laughs> a visitor's guide to the human race. And in there, if you never thought how to look at yourself from a different perspective, this book will do it because it's sort of what's left over of our culture. It's imagined to be the book that aliens would find and it's how they would think about the extinct species that once ruled the world. It's such a clever way of discussing pop culture and mixing it with science and history. It's just great. And humor and humor. Oh, it's hilarious. And we just came out of a segment with John where he talked about uh, what role religion has played in the world. And he's not always been charitable. In that particular case, he was okay. He was all right there. He didn't. He, 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 he I thought he was very diplomatic. Diplomatic. <laughs> very careful. More careful than he usually is. I thought it was pretty cool. One of my great worries is people's urge to believe things that just make them feel good rather than what might be the truth that would make them feel bad. That's and, my worry when I'm dating someone. <laughs> you just want to feel good. Look at me. <laughs> Because sometimes you got to take the bad with the good. There's not you, you can't always feel good. There you got to look at the real stuff too. You got to, you got to. And but although, I mean, consider that in our lives today, we're doing things that are not necessarily good for our long-term survival. There's all this talk about. Oh, you've heard global warming and polluting the oh, atmosphere please. and the environment. I was environment. just home and, with my mother, and I said, "Mom, do you recycle? People do." 
I said, but you don't? No, I, I find it annoying. Well, really? So she's not a people. <laughs> really? You don't? You find it annoying. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're, not, you're helpless to convince her that this is good to do. I, I think I think she's coming around because I'm 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 starting to just kind of push him because I pointed out that it was the very least she could do. <laughs> well, what happens if you don't? Then what happens is the uh, we become our survival is at peril, given the resources that Earth has so graciously given of itself to us over all these years. There's a point where that could run out. We could poison ourselves. We could kill ourselves. And in fact, the entire appendix. Uh, a big part of the appendix of John Stewart's book explores ways that we might have gone extinct. And I wanted to find out what inventive ways he came up, he and his <laughs> staff of writers came up with to explore just oh, that. Oh, you guys talk about that now? Just that possibility. Great. Let's check it out. Tell me about the appendix of your book. Does it actually say how humans die out? You know, you hate to be a spoiler. <laughs> now... Do we know? <laughs> Look, the aliens are coming to Earth with no people, so some, something that, happened. You want them to get to the end of the book. You don't, they don't know why we're gone. Okay. So you want to give them eight different possible ways. What's the top scenario? Uh, shark-bee hybrid. Genetic shark-bee. Killer shark. <laughs> what is that? What is that? It's a flying the, killer shark. These are the geneticists gone wild. Geneticists gone wild. What nobody did, you know, in the meetings, they said, hey, what if we combine a killer bee with a killer shark? Nobody raised their hand and said, you know, I'm not so sure that's a great idea. So they went ahead and did it. And No one said, let's not do that. And wouldn't you know it, imagine killer sharks that live in giant hives and just come out. You and know, and they can white fly and swim. That's right. To get you no matter what you're doing. You can't, there's no way of getting around it. Wow. Okay, is that the number one? That's the number one likelihood. I don't like to rank them, but yeah. Okay, well, that's scary. I think that's pretty likely. That's a scary thing. I think that's pretty likely. Sharks that hang out in hives. That's right. (laughs) Well, they're not sharks, necessarily. They're shark bees. Shark bees, of course. Yeah. Of course. Sharks be hybrid. And they've been bred. Bred to render us extinct. That's right. Yes. Okay. So, what else is on the list? Obviously, technology overtaking us. Except it never has in the past. Well, no, that's why it's the future. It, this okay. is not, not a history book. It's a future book. Okay. Stupid this, comment on my part. Happening. Yes, okay. Exactly. Now, okay. I'm not suggesting that in the future you won't be able to send yourself back to the past to stop the robots. To kill the grandmother of the robot right. so that it doesn't. Yes, I'll come back naked. That's right. Thank God this is radio. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Obviously, superbug. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like a, like a virus kind of bug. Like an Andromeda strain. Kind yeah, of yeah. Okay, that's cool. Turns us all to, to dust. Yeah. For those who are not old enough, in the Andromeda strain, the oh, the virus rendered blood into powder. into powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like instantaneously, where like you'd walk out in the street and your like cars would still be there. Everything. Everything. Else. Yeah, you're in, in. People were just frozen. In situ death. What a yeah. great movie. That yeah, was. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, death by black hole. Hadron Collider, the guys are like, oh, uh, there's nothing going to go wrong here. Bonk. Wrong. Oh, we're not going to create a molecule that eats all other molecules. Wrong. If the world ends in that scenario, the last words uttered on Earth by man will be, hey, it worked. John Stewart, thank you for being our inaugural guest. Stop it. I enjoyed for it very much. Star Talk Radio. That was John Stewart. You That's gotta awesome. love the guy. You gotta love the guy. The appendix is my favorite part of this book. And and what's interesting is how glibly he goes in and out of real science and pseudoscience and pokes fun at at, at pseudoscientific concepts. Yeah, this is not a good book for an idiot. 
Because <laughs> it, it really does speak like it's truth. And some of it is really, I mean, you're reading it and you're like, oh, I was filling out the form, yeah. the alien questionnaire, mm-hmm. speaking of idiots. And then I realized, oh, this is a complete joke. <laughs> Well, what concerns me is as a scientist and as an educator, we find ourselves spending a lot of time undoing people's misconceptions about the world, among them the Mayan calendar in 2012. You know, this this has been going on. Adults, kids, even some educated people are totally wrapped up in the belief that somehow the world is going to come to an end. And uh, this but could, people felt like that about the millennium. I know every people ten always years feel like that. They seem like they're only happy when they're sad about I'll the end of the world. I, I'll tell you what it's going to be. What? Uh, don't laugh at me. Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> Not zombies per se, but my point is, is I've been watching that show, Walking Dead. Yeah. And I think it's going to be some sort of incurable disease, like something. We're paying so much attention to all the other stuff. Like I think some weird thing's going to happen. So some people will be like walking down the street, infected. No, no, I don't know. I don't I mean, think it's going to be tap it twice in the head. But I think that show is like a metaphor for what happens when 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 the thing you didn't plan for happens like who's plans for zombies well here's the thing well that that'd be a different kind of end of the world than what has preoccupied people for so long where people look up to the sky and think the sky is going to kill us now it's odd because i've got a you know i wrote a book called death by black hole so i'm not i'm no stranger to the (laughs) shameless plug to to the ways the universe wants to kill us i'm just saying uh, throughout the book called again (laughs) death by black hole (laughs) <laughs> but there, in the bio tapestry, or the Linkopolis story. Do you know the bio tapestry with with uh, the, that uh, retells the Norman Conquest? Yeah, there's it's a com- right next to my bed. <laughs> there's a comet in the sky, <laughs> and it's actually it turns out to be Halley's comet. By the way, they didn't. Oh, really? I was going to say they didn't know it at the time. Well, of course they didn't because Halley came <laughs> much later. It turns out to be the same comet. But it, but the. What I found interesting is that people always say that a comet portends disaster, yet whatever disaster happens, whatever leader steps down from power, someone else ascends to power. So you could just as easily say a comet is the sign that someone ascends to greatness. I'm I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, there are (laughs) real-life disaster scenarios. You've heard about Apophis. That's my favorite asteroid out there. (laughs) Yeah, I love him. He's great. He's the best uh, backstreet boy. <laughs> no, I don't, don't say that. You know I don't know who Apophis yeah, Apophis, is. Apophis, the, is. Apophis is the asteroid that's the size of the Rose Bowl that's headed that's our the, way. That's the, uh, what do you call it, the movie? What's the one? Deep Impact. Uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, so they had, they, our, this one is littler than the one in Deep Impact. The, the size of the Rose Bowl. This one would only take out the west coast of the United States. It wouldn't re- necessarily render us And we have extinct. proof that this is happening. No, this we have proof that it's going to come. It's going to give Earth a buzz cut on April 13th, 2029. See, what I think is funny is we have, like, how can people not believe things that we can prove? <laughs> I, that's a, thank you for with that question because that, I'm puzzled by that all the time. People do it all the time. Like, no, that didn't happen. But, but there's proof. <laughs> right. Here's a bone. I'm shaking the bone at you. We know these people were here. <laughs> no, they weren't here. Yes, they were. <laughs> so, so what you have is this asteroid that'll come so close to Earth. It'll come closer than our orbiting communication satellites. It'll be the biggest, closest thing we've ever seen in recorded history. And it's not going to hit us on April 13th, 2029, which, by the way, is a Friday. In case you were wondering, <laughs> yeah, I, I was sweating it. Right now. But you know, I was we'll actually wondering how we get someone in outer space to get on top of the asteroid and put a drill bit in it or whatever. Like we, I think it. we would easily get volunteers to do that. If if someone had the option of saving the world, I think they would take a, take it up. 
there are people who dangle off airplanes and bungee jump and rock climb for yeah. fun. And if you can say, here, put your life at risk and you might be saving the world, you know the, the, the line will be around the block. You know, I'd have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so, so you have ideas. I, I have ideas of how I think the world is going to end. Okay, what do you think? I got a few ideas. So, I think what'll happen is we, right between the time when we have an active space program where we could have defended us against an astro- ourselves against an asteroid, yeah. and before other countries have built up their space program to do it, that's when an asteroid is going to come. And they will all go extinct, just like the dinosaurs. I find it, but but, but see, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, listen to my zombie thing for a minute. The other You're still thing on I the like, zombie thing. No, because the thing I like, it's just a metaphor for other things. The thing I like about it is, if you watch that show, it also shows that they have no technology anymore. They, they can't right, call. Right. They can't go on computers. So they have to learn other ways to communicate and deal with things. And It's, it's just odd that they always get the, the, the upper edge on regular people if they have no technology at all. And they don't even – no, and zombies don't know how to run, apparently. Not the zombies. The regular people, oh, Neil. Regular Gee people. whiz, okay. that are still alive. We've got to take a quick break, but more Star Talk when we return. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome back to Star Talk. Lynn Coplitz, my co-host. Lynn, do you have a day job or you only work at night? <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it Are that way. Are you just way. a hooker or do you do other stuff? <laughs> I um, no, I, I, I don't have a day job. I mean, I, I write and do, you, you But you, know. you work at your, your night, you do nightclubs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I, I work yeah. all night. Yeah. I, I got off at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, okay. Came all out. right. Okay, Neil. It, wait, in the show, we interviewed John Stewart oh, in three segments, right. and we have his latest book sitting right in front of us on this table, Earth, A Visitor's Guide to the Human Race. And, Lynn, your copy of the book is dog-eared completely. You've been I ha- like it. You've been hanging out in the appendix. 
I have this job now that where I have science stuff, and this is funny science. Science, I, that's is my. It combines you and me, funny <laughs> right. and science. Is there stuff there you need some? Yes, highlight? I have a question. Right, I want to know. See, this is what people people say to me. Oh, is it is it fun uh, co-hosting with Neil? I'm like, yeah. Are you kidding? It's it's great to have an astrophysicist right by your side. <laughs> and I'm like, what about this? What does this mean? Um, well, thank I wanna, you for that. Yes. You're okay. welcome. Uh-huh. I want to go through my own private genius. I want to go through um, the things that John, some jokingly and some seriously, that he said could be the end of the world. And just quickly, I want you to tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 what the chances are. Gotcha. Ecological catastrophe. For rendering us extinct yes. on a scale of 1 to the likelihood? Yes. Where 1 is unlikely, 10 is likely? 1 to 10. <laughs> okay. I would say ecological disaster 5. Of all, the, If we do oh. go extinct... The chances of it being ecological disaster, I'd say five. five. I'll put on a Nuclear scale. holocaust. Five. Hmm. Okay, robot rebellion. I didn't know you'd be giving me a test. You know, had I known... You know. I'm just writing them down. There are things I want to know about okay. what I have to focus on. Uh, robot rebellion, zero. <gasps> oh, my God. Some people peeled the Spock ear back right now and <laughs> cried. Okay. Get, well, uh, a one. I'll give them a one, not a, a zero. One. Uh-huh. A one, yeah. All right. Uh, black hole. Black hole. That would be... F- if you had to go, that's a fun way to go. So just I didn't ask you what you think is a fun way. Okay. What's the chances? A, a, a half. A half. That's yes. not going to happen. Okay. Okay. And rapture. Rapture. I'll give it a nine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> rapture. <laughs> that's from the Bible. There's a, isn't there a, a Blondie song called Rapture? No, it's but there's a big trumpet and then me and a bunch of other Christians leave. <laughs> Everybody else. <laughs> and you stay here I'm, for a while. I am much less convinced of this <laughs> than devout Christians, so I got to go low on that one. I knew that was going to happen. I, I give that one a negative one. Okay, go on. Even, even, <laughs> even below the shark bee mutation? <laughs> below the shark bee mutation. Because I know we got people in the labs mutating gene pools. So, What about, pan- how do you say that, pandemic? A uh, pandemic. Pandemic? Pandemic. Okay. So instead of an epidemic, a pandemic. A pandemic. Um, you know, pandemics, before, happen, right? before we had airplanes moving people back and forth, transporting their germs with them you had to go like conestoga to, to to take a dot you know someone who was germ infested from one place to another and even then they didn't get very far <laughs> like, don't go to whatever they got <laughs> malaria <laughs> right and so nowadays you've uh, we can any disease a bug that shows up in one place it could be all around the world as much faster than it otherwise would have been uh, taken to get there so uh, i pu- i put a pandemic very high i go seven seven oh. or eight yeah okay yeah yeah, you think about that. Back in Bible times, if they'd had planes, everyone would have leprosy. Everybody. Everybody. And the black and the plague and everything. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the last one was alien invasion. Alien invasion. With aliens coming to suck our blood. Uh, what if they always make them out to be bad? What if aliens just came and wanted, you know, needed a place to stay? Do you remember when Hawking gave the warning that aliens would probably be evil and, what, like, want to yes. take enslave us? I I think his concept of that is a fee. It's a mirror held up to the human race because mm-hmm. it's, it's how we know we. That's what, and it's what we've done. It's what we we've not been, only we've been doing it. Been there, been doing it. That's right. Any mismatch. Whoever's got the bigger stick wins. The bigger stick, and well, or more. In speaking in a more modern sense, whoever who's got the best, the more advanced technology wins. And so, any alien who's crossing the galaxy to visit Earth. So shouldn't Japanese people win? <laughs> So I'm just saying, aliens that come to Earth, they, if they came to Earth across the galaxy, they got more technology than us. So there's a fear factor that they'll all be evil. And my my what I think will save us is that they'll take it, they'll study Earth really hard, and they'll look at the species that calls itself dominant, and they will conclude, based on all the evidence available to them, that there is no sign of intelligent life on Earth. 
and thereby leave us alone. You think we're going to be so stupid they're going to leave us Compared alone? Compared to them, if they're that advanced... Leave I, these ants alone. Have, when was the last time you you walked past a, a pile of worms and said, gee, I wonder what they're thinking? I want to make make peace with that. But this, I've also seen people stomp them just well, because they were there. Because they were in the way. Yes. So this is the, this is how I think about about the, the the ends of the world. I think some are more likely than others. I think we're more likely to kill ourselves than to have something in the universe that we then blame it on. Uh, because I just see our behavior. Just look at our past behavior. It looks it's 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 it. Uh, uh, human behavior scares me. Yeah, it scares me too. And and you're right because if the aliens did come here and they didn't want to fight, we'd be like, oh, can we go back to your planet and take everything? <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna do a little cherry pick and see if there's anything we want. Now I saw a, a, a science fiction. Actually, it was a science fiction radio play one time where the aliens came to Earth because they wanted the hydrogen in our water. And they had run out of hydrogen where they were, and they were sucking our water supply. And so they were not fighting us. They were taking our natural resources. And that was a, a, a science fiction That's author. That's interesting. Well, it is interesting, but they ne- that science fiction author never had Astro 101 because they would have learned that 92% of the entire universe is made of hydrogen. <laughs> you don't have oh. to come to Earth. <laughs> so everyone take get it somewhere else. Pay closer. attention in Astro One Hundred and One because that's what'll that's what'll work for you there. You could get it closer to your planet. <laughs> We've got to wrap up the show, but you've been listening to Star Talk, and I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.